If you need mustard for that corned beef you're making, get Colleen's Irish Mustard. Colleen's Irish Mustard unites mustard haters and mustard lovers from around the world. Currently, Colleen's Irish Mustard has three flavors in mild, regular, and spicy. For more information on Colleen's Irish Mustard, visit www.irishmustard.com. Welcome to this week's edition of the 100% Sports Podcast. And as always, Nathan is here with us today. How are you doing today? Doing good. I really like your answers on just saying doing good. Keep it simple, short and sweet. Got nothing else to say. Because usually you talk about the weather. Well, the weather's been so beautiful here lately that there's no point. And uh, why why complain when it's nice? I'm only going to complain when it's crappy. All right, last week we had our first round of the best Detroit athlete bracket. We had we, we have the fan poll with us. We have our own brackets on who we thought would win. And we'll get you over to Tournament Central real quick. But, uh, Nathan, did you like the first round of the bracket? Yeah, I did. I was kind of surprised uh, from the fans. I thought there'd be... Uh, one upset I thought for sure would happen, but uh, overall I kind of figured the favorite would uh would turn out in most of the matchups, and they did. Clearly they did, but I I expected at least one or two um upsets, which actually didn't happen. Yep, I expected at least two from certain players, but we'll get into that a little bit, and we'll get you over to Tournament Central right now. All right, we're here at Tournament Central. And the first weekend, or the first week of the first round of the best Detroit athlete bracket is now in the books. And here are the results. The one seed, Gordy Howe, winning 72% of the vote over the 16 seed, Matt Stafford. He'll be moving on. And in, and who will be facing him is terrible Ted Lindsay, who won a very close one, which is our tied for the closest matchup here with 55% going in favor of Ted Lindsay beating out the nine seed Dave being at 45. So that's your first matchup. Gordy Howe taking on Ted Lindsay as the five seed who I expected to be an upset. Isaiah Thomas advances over the 12 seed Joe Dumars in a 70 to 30% win and over to the four versus 13 was not even close. Al Kaline won 96% over Alex Delvecchio. Jesus. And Al Kaline and Isaiah Thomas will be met, will be meeting in the four versus five. Now on to the second half of the bracket. The six seed Nick Lindstrom advances over the eleven seed Alan Trammell, sixty-eight to thirty-two percent, and he'll be taking on his fellow teammate Steve Eiserman, who won eighty-five percent. To fifteen percent, and now the matchup where I expected to be an upset did not happen. the The seven seed Miguel Cabrera advances over the ten seed Calvin Johnson, fifty five to forty five, 
and he'll be taking on arguably the greatest running back in the history of the NFL, Barry Sanders, the two seed, as he won 96% over Jack Morris, who just had 4%. So just a recap of this second weekend matchup. Gordy Howe is the one seed. He's taking on terrible Ted Lindsay, the eight seed. And then five seed Isaiah Thomas is taking on four seed Al Kaline. Six seed Nick Lindstrom taking on three seed Steve Eiserman. And the final matchup is seven seed Miguel Cabrera against two seed Barry Sanders. This was an all chalk first round matchup. Nathan, let's hear your thoughts. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised, uh, as you were as well, that there wasn't at least one upset. The one upset I kind of was expecting was Kelvin Johnson over Cabrera. Um, You could put the two together. Kelvin, consistent throughout his whole career. Uh, His ability, what he did on a bad team. Um, I know Cabrera, sometimes his stats in the present day kind of overshadow what he actually did, obviously winning the Triple Crown. So I kind of was expecting that. Um, the other one I was kind of leaning with maybe seeing was Dave Bing over Lindsay. Obviously, as you said, it was the closest, closest matchup we had. I yeah, I believe you said tied the closest. Oh, it was. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cabrera and Calvin were tied with Lindsay and Dave Bing. Oh, okay. So yeah, those were the two for sure. I thought were uh going to be the closest possible upset overall though, with the next matchup in the elite eight, I guess you could call it. We'll have a couple of Red Wings going up against each other. Howe, Lindsay, and then Lindstrom. Lindstrom and Iserman is a key matchup. I'm really excited to see there. Two tremendous greats for their team, for sure. Uh, and then the other two are just as interesting as well. Al Kaline, Isaiah Thomas, very similar with their impact on their team, you could say. Uh, Thomas maybe a little bit more. And then Cabrera Sanders, again, two terrific players. So it's going to be... Very interesting to see what the fans choose uh, for the next round. Yeah, before we get to our picks for the our bracket, I think you could easily make a case for Miguel Cabrera over Barry Sanders. Not saying that it's going to happen, but you could make a case for Cabrera just because he got to the World Series, made made a, a lot more playoff appearances, other or a lot more playoff appearances than Barry and. Making MLB playoffs is, I think, a lot tougher than making an NFL playoff. And he, of course, had the Triple Crown. And then the year after, I believe, he had two of the third, two thirds of the Triple Crown, uh, trying to get back to try to go back to back with Triple Crowns and only won two of them, not all three. And that's just astonishing to me. And I know he's still playing to this day. I know it's not, 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 he's not doing as good as he used to be, but he's old. Got to give the man a little bit of a break. He treated Detroit to, what would you say, maybe like seven years of greatness? Oh, yeah, no doubt. All the way, man, I'd say since he got here, all the way until probably, you know, Brad Asmus took over as manager, and then it went downhill from there. God, Brad Asmus was gifted a great team, and it just went downhill. I honestly think you could have pulled someone off the streets who would have done a better job. Like, that was ridiculous. This, shame on the their organization, though, for getting a guy with no experience. Like, at least pick up an assistant coach or a bench coach from another team, you know, someone who's had some experience. But uh, that clearly didn't work out for them. Yeah, and they, remember, they still added Johannes Cespedes into that roster, too. Yeah, and, you know, 
I had a great offense, but I, I always will go back to that pitching staff. They had four Cy Young winners on there at the same time. And you look at where those guys are now today. Verlander won a World Series. Scherzer won a World Series. David Price Every won a pitcher. World Series. Rick Porcello won a World Series. All four of those guys. Anibal Sanchez. Yeah, and, and yeah, him too, exactly. So all five of those pitchers, and then we're not even including you could talks so of Ian Kinsler actually went on to win one. Uh, so did JD, and it's just it's laughable when you think about it. They leave here and they go and they win championships, albeit Verlander cheated at it. But, you know, uh, it's just, it's laughable. It's the biggest, I guess you could say, train wreck because of how much great firepower they had offensively and defensively. It's just one of those, how did you not win? And I think it may have gone with the bullpen. And because you think about it, back when David Ortiz had that walk or had the grand slam to tie it up. Joaquin Benoit. I mean, I think the bullpen is what really let them down. in the Yeah. End. And no doubt their bullpen was definitely inconsistent throughout all those years, but man, you would have just thought for once they would have gotten over the hump, got a little luck, I guess you could say in their bullpen and made it through to the, obviously they made it to the world series, but they couldn't, they just took a – it's as simple as this. They took a dump in that World Series. Verlander giving up the home runs to Sandoval. Oh, it's just it's just so close. Like, you can't get any closer than that except for maybe being up three games to none in the World Series and then blowing it. But yeah, it's just frustrating. It definitely is. But we'll get back – we're getting back to the bracket now. One other matchup I have to say is Lindstrom over Eisman. Lindstrom – can easily make a case. Uh, won all four Stanley Cups. One is a captain, and just a great defense defenseman. I think did he won a few defensive player of the year or defenseman player of the year awards, right? A few. This guy won, I believe, seven. He won seven Norris trophies, which goes to the best defensive player. I mean, that's that's so, insane. Uh, so obviously, I was kind of wrong. Eh, in that. Well, you know, but you're right. He did win four Stanley Cups. And he was the captain for the last one, and he was was he rarely injured? Yes, that was the thing. He is the perfect human being. Never got injured. Played twenty years. Four Stanley Cups. Seven North. It's just it's remarkable his impact with the whole organization on and off the ice. And um, so, Nathan, let's hear your picks for the bracket. Okay, so we're gonna start off with the one and sixteen matchup. Um, this is no doubter for me. I mean, my God, Gordie Howe, in my opinion, the greatest hockey player of all time. He's going to win easily over Matt Stafford. I, there's not much to say here other than look at Howe compared to Stafford. Obviously, winning percentage, impact on the organization. It's a no-brainer. And I'm actually going to have a little bit of an upset here in the 8-9 matchup. Um, as you said earlier, it was tied the closest uh, matchup that we had with the fans. I'm going to take Dave Bing over Lindsay. I, I know Lindsay won four cups, but Dave Bing was only in the playoffs three times. And throughout his whole career, he averaged 22 and a half points per game. I mean, that's crazy in an era where there wasn't even the three point shot yet. And uh, three point line. Yeah, three point line. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> and I didn't mean to screw up there for you. But uh, seven time all star. Um, Ted Lindsay had a great impact, no doubt, but I'm going to go with an upset here. Dave Bing 
over Lindsay so that'll leave Howe and Bing together. So, and then the 413 matchup, Kayline Delvecchio, again, I'm going with Al. So consistent throughout his career, batted near 300, uh, showed up big in big time games. 3,000 hits in his career. That You get to 3,000 as an MLB player. That's amazing. And that's not taking anything away from Del Vecchio. Again, great player. Won three cups. But I'm going to go with K-Line. And then the 512 matchup. I understand Dumars is very underrated. I agree. But I got to go with Isaiah. Just his leadership on that team. Him and Dumars are very similar. I, I They're talented-wise. But I'm going with Thomas over Dumars. So it'll be K-Line Thomas. Um, the next matchup, which I believe is 6-11, Lindstrom and Trammell. Again, yes. I'm going with Lindstrom. I believe he's the best defenseman of all time in the, in the NHL. Um, again, we talked about him earlier a couple minutes ago. He's just tremendous, the perfect human being um, over Trammell. Trammell, again, batted near, three, batted near 300 in his career. Great player, but not to the extent of Lindstrom. Uh, then we go to the three fourteen, correct? Lindstrom yes. and Federer, or excuse me, not Lindstrom, Eiserman and Federer. Yeah. Um, going with Stevie Y again. I know people argue Federer's numbers should be retired. I agree. He had a great impact here. Played thirteen years, but you know Eiserman, he brought up was here brought ah excuse me, drafted here in the <laughs> late eighties. Uh, basically, they were terrible then, and he went through hell and back, not just with his knee injuries, but with his career here. He was part of it when they were bad, and then finally when they got good, he was the leader of his team, and now he's the leader of the team now, today and present day. Thank God. So that'll be Eisman there uh, taking on his teammate Lindstrom. Another interesting matchup, Cabrera-Kelvin. Again, make a case for either one. Kelvin played for a terrible team, never put anybody around him, but I'm going to go with Miggy. You don't often see a triple crown winner. He was so feared as a hitter from other teams, and his impact on that organization in the six, seven years when they were competing was just tremendous. So it'll be Miggy at seven. And then a no-doubter here, Barry Sanders, Jack Morris. Morris. Arguably one of the best pitchers in the Tigers organization, but Barry Sanders, arguably the best running back of all time. And again, great player on a terrible team, and the numbers he racked up were amazing. So that'll be Sanders and Miggy in the 7-2 and two matchup. All right, uh, here's my matchups. One, Gordie Howe, no-brainer. His name, Mr. Hockey, the nine seed. I have Dave Bing advancing, just very underrated player, got a good jumper, and I don't know, I just like him. He averaged over 20 points a game in an era where I, 20 points, hard to come by. 5-12 matchup, going with the upset. 12-seeded Joe Dumars, just like the March Madness NCAA tournament. The 5-12, always a matchup. Dumars, here's what you got to do. Isaiah Thomas, unreal. Don't get me wrong. What Joe Dumars did was always off the stat sheet. And he defended uh, he defended Larry Bird, defended Mag- or, excuse me, Michael Jordan. That's and Michael Jordan was he was he's a different player when Dumars is on. Dumars, better defender. He did so much defensively in in getting steals, getting deflections, all that stuff. 
Dumars, high, very, 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 I can't express it enough, underrated player. He's in the Hall of Fame. Isaiah's in the Hall of Fame. But if you go back and watch those games, which I watched when uh, Fox Sports was doing all the championship games, and I'm watching this, and I go, Dumars, he he runs the offense one because Thomas does silly fouls all the time. Isaiah Thomas would have silly fouls, always be in foul trouble, and Dumars would run the show. No one really, I, I feel like no one really talks about that. Dumars ran the show a decent amount because of the silly fouls. And then defensively, just guarding everyone's best player, and they didn't do much against Dumars. So that's my upset. Four versus 13, same with K-Line. Six versus 11, same with Lindstrom, have him advancing. And then Iserman, Fedorov, I got Iserman advancing. Cabrera and Calvin, very close, but as you said, very rare to see a Triple Crown winner. And especially, he got them to the World Series playoffs quite a bit. Really jump-started the, what we know the current-day Tigers were. I mean, with all the... But in the 2010 Tigers, I could, or the 2010 decade of the Tigers on what that is today. And then Barry Sanders is advancing pretty easily. So, there, there's my matchup. Do you, do you like yeah, it? Yeah, and I again, I agree that you can definitely make a case with Dumars over a Thomas. I'm not going to argue that. And uh, I think that'll be an interesting matchup for two, or for sure going in the next round. But uh, no, I I agree with you on most of the stuff. And uh, it's going to be interesting. Maybe we'll have a couple of upsets next week. Yeah, it'll be interesting. All right, make sure to vote. I think the poll will come out to. Today or tomorrow, Nathan? What, what time uh, I'll go probably to? put it up there around tomorrow or around one or two noon, around sometime around lunchtime. But uh, I'll have it out there tomorrow for sure. All right, so make sure to vote Instagram, uh, Facebook. Make sure to follow us on there. Make sure to follow us on Twitter. We're on there now. So just make sure to vote because your vote matters. It's not the presidential election. I <laughs> say it every time. I know we had. I know first first round was very fun. If you were to look at it, the Instagram poll with Cabrera and Calvin was exactly 50-50. Facebook had 100% with Cabrera, so that's what got him over the line pretty much. So make sure to vote on Facebook and Instagram. That's where the polls will be on our on our stories. Just to be clear, they're on our stories. A little bit of misconception last week, but make sure to vote. We'll be back with the second round results next week. And we'll heck head. All right. We are back with the second half of the episode. And a cool thing that is happening today is an anniversary. Ten years ago today. A lot of another example of Detroit teams getting screwed by umps slash referees. Ten years ago today. The Detroit pitcher who retired 26 straight players, Armando Galarraga, blown a perfect game against the Cleveland Indians in 2010 by Jim Joyce. Let's let's break down the play a little bit. The count was one and one, two outs, whole place, whole place going crazy. Jason Donald, who I don't even know who he is, has a ground ball to Cabrera. Cabrera has to shift a little bit to the right, and what does Armando Galarraga do? He goes in, tries to tag out first base. So Cabrera flips it over to Galarraga, Galarraga, who catches it, 
then steps on the bag before Jason Donald does. And then, but what happens? Jim Joyce goes safe. In the end, they ended up having a, the batter later. ended up grounding out, and they still had it. But it's also a no-hitter. You, you got to have a no-hitter. So I remember where I was. I was in my living room. And all I remember in that, it seems like with every no-hitter, you have a spectacular catch made by your outfielder in the seventh or eighth inning. And I remember Austin Jackson having that. And I go, this, there's got to be, there's got to be, we got to have a no hitter here because it just in the, it's just how it normally goes. It's, it just seems like the baseball gods were going to line and give Galarago the no hitter. And I think it still burns Galarago or still hurts Galarago to this day. I know they interviewed Jim Joyce today, which was kind of funny on one of the MLB networks, but, uh, I, th- I thought it was cool, Nathan. Let's hear your take on yeah, it. Yeah, obviously. I, I don't remember that. I kind of do remember that game and not watching that game. I don't know if it was that one for sure. But, God, I just hate watching that video. I mean, he's clearly clearly out. And it just sucks. I feel so bad for him. And I was actually at a game. Um, it was after Verlander threw his no-hitter in 2011. I, I think it was either 2012 or 2013. may have even been 14. And I was at a game where he brought a no-hitter into the ninth inning with two outs. And, of course, guess what happens? It's a line drive up the middle, base hit. I'm like, oh, that would have been so cool to be at a game for a no-hitter. But, uh, no, it's just I feel bad for him. And I kind of wish MLB would have stepped in and been like, you know, dude, come on, he was out. We'll call it a perfect game, but of course, then you got the people who are going to argue about the integrity of the game, and uh, that never happened. But uh, feel still feel bad for that guy to this day. And I th- also thought it was cool. I think it was like a year that year or a year after where the SBs and Jim Joyce and Armando Calaraga actually did a uh, a nomination for the SB. <laughs> so I thought that was kind of funny. But I heard there's some MLB news that has come out recently, Nathan. I know you're a big MLB guy. Well, this may turn into a nice little five-minute rant here. But uh, as... What's what's new? The thing of MLB is, obviously, we talked a couple weeks ago about their the owner's proposal to play an 82-game season, which is half the season. Um, The players basically said, hell no, screw you. Because they wanted a 50-50 revenue split, uh, which basically means that half their money they're getting paid goes to the owners. On top of the previous agreement they agreed to in March, which would be a prorated salary, which basically means you get paid based on the number of games you play. So the MLBPA came out, and Tony Clark's in charge of it. He's, uh, He's in charge of the Players Association. Basically said no. And they came up with their own proposal, which would be a 114-game season. They'd play from the end of June to the end of October, so playoffs and World Series would be in November. Um, the union, though, they want full-rated pro-rated salaries, which is what they agreed on in March. And some other things with this deal is uh, the players, they'd have a 14 playoff teams, they would allow mics on the field during broadcast, which I know would probably – that's definitely a positive, especially with baseball facing, let's be honest, extinction here in the next 10 to 15 years. Um, 
and they also hold an off-season home run derby for revenue. And uh, another big thing with this, the players said that some of the players that don't feel comfortable playing because with may have pre-existing conditions or family members, they are allowed to opt out at any time, which seems like very reasonable, uh, very reasonable offer, no oh. doubt about it. Yeah, and the big thing here is, of course, the owners are going to most likely deny this, and the MLB wants significant pay cuts across all levels. That's single A, double A, triple A, and the MLB. And a lot of people right now don't understand, you know, they, they'll say, oh, players, they make millions, they could just take a pay cut. But they don't understand that 65% of the players make a million or less in the MLB. That's And a lot of big thing that this is going to affect is the – players in the lower leagues that don't get paid much money. And I think the biggest thing is the owners need to get their, you know what together because they're losing their game. And now is the time more than ever to get back on the national stage instead of shooting themselves in the foot like they did 25 years ago with the strike season. These, and I don't want to hear this crap about losing money and blah, blah, blah. Their excuses, more games played, the more money they lose. These owners are worth billions of dollars. Billions with a B. They can take money out of their own pocket and pay these minor league players, what, $5 million in total across all the minor leagues or something like that. I don't want to hear the crap and excuse that they're losing revenue based on games. The Oakland A's owner is worth $2 billion. And these owners are so greedy, it's just amazing and you know what this is where the commissioner manfred needs to step in and say look guys we need to get this crap done now's the time to expand our game bring it back get people interested we'd be the only major sport going on and once again they're not going to get to an agreement it seems like anytime soon and this is going to affect baseball down the line because i know i've talked about it before but basketball coming back in july and august I honestly think that the NBA is going to have their season from Christmas through August from here on out because the NBA is smart. Adam Silver is one of the smartest. Actually, in my opinion, he's the smartest commissioner out there now in all the major sports. They don't want to deal with Agreed. the football season because, let's be honest, we really don't care too much about the NBA till football's over. So start on Christmas basketball is a year-round sport you see summer league during the summer you see the big three have the finals in august and guess what instead of people watching baseball in july and august now it's going to be basketball which means their sports really going to go downhill so i'm begging mlb the owners the commissioner get your shit together i use the word i don't care because this game mlb could be gone if they don't And another famous rant by Nathan Sabo. Yeah, I don't know what the MLB is thinking anymore. I mean, I don't watch baseball to begin with uh, very often than I used to. I'll maybe watch a Tigers game maybe once every two months. I don't even watch Tigers games now. They're so bad. I mean, all Detroit teams are bad. And I think by far Adam Silver is the best. Uh, NBA or best commissioner out of the big four just because of his new ideas trying to 
globalized the game, in which it is. I think behind soccer, basketball is probably the second most global sport, and it's getting very popular in other areas of the con- of the world, just like Europe. You see a lot more players. And then, of course, you have Australia, that, Australia that's pretty big with it, too, with players going college player or high school players going overseas and playing in Australia, Europe. So you have that too. MLB, I think they're they're not gonna have I feel like this was their time to shine and they're not gonna fulfill on that. And another thing when you said about the lockout twenty five years ago, Michael Jordan stopped playing baseball twenty five years ago with the lockout. And he went back to the NBA and won three more Yeah, and really quick on the lockout era. So it's funny when you look at it. Um, obviously they didn't play the season. Guess what happened right after that season? People didn't become interested in baseball anymore. They lost interest. Well, then you had the steroid era start to happen. So, yeah, yeah. Barry, Bonds, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, the home run chase happened right after that happened. So you can kind of connect the two in saying, well, maybe they juiced on purpose because MLB told them to get people interested. I, It sure looks like it to me. And then shortly after, because what? What year was that? that I believe it was 95 or 94 was the strikeout year. And then you also have to add in another factor, which is a more is a growing sport, is the World Cup was in America, I think maybe 98 possibly? I believe it was 98, 94, something like that. And then what shortly, then the MLS shortly came became a thing and i know it's not most popular but soccer started to become a started to become a thing in america i know the mls isn't the greatest leagues in the world and it should change its ways but soccer started to emerge in the mid 90s and i think baseball started to decline in the mid 90s so there there's two and two together but I, last week, I think it was right after we finished recording our episode, and the NHL made their what was it like their yeah, protocol their on how they're playing and stuff. Yeah, and I know you're a big hockey guy, so I'll let you go. Okay, this isn't going to be NHL a rant because game. unlike MLB, NHL's got their crap together, so they're going to have. And I'm very fascinated by this. I, I, I'm full. I'm in love this idea. Twenty four teams in the playoffs instead of sixteen. And basically, the top four in each conference are going to play a round robin to uh, determine one through four, kind of like a group stage in a World Cup or Champions League. Um, Everybody will play each other once or twice, which would leave a total of 16 teams left that would play each other out. And I know it may be confusing listening to me talk about it, but if you look on it on paper, that 16 teams will go back down and it'll eventually even out to 16 teams overall. So you're going to have 24 teams, eight teams that normally don't get in are going to get in. Um, The biggest thing here is they're going to be played in two hub cities, similar to how the NBA is going to do Walt Disney World in Orlando. So it sounds like possibly one for the Eastern Conference, one for the Western Conference. I have a feeling it's going to be Toronto because Toronto is huge with hockey. I'm sure they have more arenas than a lot of American cities. But uh, I definitely think it's interesting. Obviously, the Red Wings aren't in it because they have by far the worst record. But uh, 
The thing about hockey yes, is, though, totally. you can have a team get on a run and make it there like we saw St. Louis last year. Basketball, it's not so much. Uh, obviously, the Pistons with the eight seed last year didn't do uh, didn't do too well. But uh, that's the beauty about hockey. You get a team with a bad record, but they get on a run, they can go all the way. So I'm definitely intrigued by this. I mean, we could see the we just have all teams and have play in. And hey, the you never know, man. But all I'm going to say is the Red Wings got screwed by this. They totally did. Just because of how bad they are and what the lottery system is going to be. The Red Wings, you know how bad they are. Only 17 wins, 49 losses, 8th in the Atlantic Division. Their goal difference is an abysmal negative <laughs> 122. God, they're awful. And the thing that I hate most about this is the draft lottery didn't, their odds didn't change. Because you would expect since, you know, there'd be a lot more teams content, more, you said eight more teams would be contending for, or be in the playoff spot. Like you would expect maybe the rest of the teams to get boosted uh, odds to get the number one overall pick, but the odds stayed the same. So the Red Wings still have the same 18.5% uh, odds to land the number one overall pick. And we know with the Red Wings luck recently that they're going to fall to the number four because that's just the Red Wings luck. In yeah, they and that's the last pick. thing they need right now. They need at least, obviously, number one would be perfect. But hopefully they can get at least top two, man. That would help so much to get that superstar on your team. Um, and also want to talk really quick uh, about Jeff Blaschel. Steve Eisman said they're going to retain him. My opinion, I was not going to be shocked if they let him go. I wasn't going to be shocked if they brought him back. I don't think he's a bad coach. It's just that there's literally no talent on this team. You have one top line with Larkin, Mantha, Bertuzzi. And besides that, your goal production is, like, nowhere to be found. So I have no issue with that. Plus, I don't think this team's going to be contending anytime soon, and I don't think any other coach really wants to come in here right now. Yeah, I think we're waiting for at least another three, maybe, like, two years with them being the the bottom feeder of the league. And, I mean, Blashill, it's very tough to judge his tenure just because of how bad they are. I mean, you got you got a good foundation with the players, but all I'm gonna say is I expect to see Ooh, gone bold in take. a few years. Possibly, I think I don't think he's gonna. I think he's probably gonna demand a trade, and you know Eisman with all of his draft picks, you know he wants that. And I here think you, he, think, I think, you Larkin's think Larkin's gone. gone. I think Mantha's gonna be year. one that's gets traded. I I think I honestly think that one of them are I, gonna go by because he can get a lot in return and. He's shown that in Tampa, he doesn't care. If he can get a haul back, why not? I okay, nah, I don't know about that. I... <laughs> I, he, Eisman is the exact opposite of Bob Quinn. He'll say, let's dance and whatever you want to offer, I can I can see what you, what you want to offer, and if I like it, I'll take it. I mean, no he's, kidding. He's, he's got, got a balls. set down there, but... Uh, I, I I would be shocked. I would be shocked if I saw both of those guys gone. I wouldn't be if if I saw one. But I mean, what he got for Athanasiu after having the year he had, which wasn't great. I mean, he got what maybe a second round yeah, pick out of that. And I, another pick. There's no doubt that was a 
I wouldn't say a steal, but it was a great deal. I mean, he had a down year this year with injuries, and but uh, no, I I'm not gonna complain anything about him at least for two or three years. I mean, it's a lot worse than what people thought it was, especially when he got in here. And it takes time. You got to be patient. Believe me. Yeah, he stresses patience he more than anything. Them. But guess what? They're a hell of a lot closer than the Pistons or the Tigers are. I'll guarantee you that. Well, that's football is a whole other thing. And the Lions are, you know, the Lions. Exactly. The Lions. All right, let's move on to the Fast Five. All right, I got a good question. And actually, as we were as you were doing your NHL little uh, spiel, I got a notification of uh, ESPN 10 years ago, Armando Galarrago failed. He didn't fail. No the umpires kind of failed him. <laughs> okay, relax. All right, what two Tiger pitchers have multiple? Uh, well, one for sure I know is Verlander. Um... That's correct. I couldn't tell you. I'd guess Jack Morris, but two. He had one. Okay, what decade did they play in? Uh, his no hitters were placed in the same season, and they okay. took place. I- I'm in gonna tell you right there. I have no freaking clue. It's 1952. I don't know. <laughs> That's Virgil Trucks. That's great. One is against I, uh... the Yankees. I'm not going to lie. I don't know who he is. <laughs> Neither do I. What are two Hall of Fame quarterbacks with losing records? Both of them played in the 70s and 70s and 60s. 60s. Okay. Both of them, both of them played for East Coast. Yeah, yeah, East oh, Coast. Oh, okay. Teams. I think I got one Joe Namath. I see I was Yes. He has a losing record. Yeah, I was a little shocked with that, too. Because that, that's surprising. I obviously either. went to the Super Bowl with them, but I was just thinking 60s, 70s, uh, you know, Eastern Coast teams. Well, Joe Namath, definitely. Um, you said the other guys from that, too, an Eastern Coast team? Oof. Yes. Do you think I know who this person is? Okay, then just tell me because Highly I'm definitely. not going to get it. Say it again. Sonny Gergensen. Okay, I've Sonny heard of him, but I would Jurgensen. never have guessed that in a million years. All right, third question. What would you go to space For sure, if you could? and this is kind of a shameless plug, but shout out to SpaceX and NASA this past week. They sent astronauts into space from U.S. soil for the first time in nine years. Also, congrats to the astronauts themselves, Bob Bentkin and Doug Hurley. I'm kind of a space geek, so it was exciting for me, but... I would definitely go to space if I had the chance. I would too. Does Brady fail? Or fourth question: Would does Brady fail without Belichick, or does Belichick fail <sighs> without Brady? See, this is tough. I'm not. Go ahead. I'm gonna go. Uh, I go. I Brady agree fails with you, without Belichick. But I think that all this hype with Tom Brady, I'm not buying it. He's not what he used to be the man's old i don't care what anybody says if you actually watch him his last playoff games from not just last year but the year before and just throughout the season he's he's old man and i still think that the tampa's gonna make the playoffs because now there's an extra team in 
but I don't see them being this 11 and 5, 12 and 14 people are thinking. I mean, their defense is still putrid. So, honestly, Belichick this year, 500, Tampa Bay around 500. But overall, I think Belichick's going to have more success than Brady does. So, Brady is going to fail. All right. Last question. What American league, what American sports league returns um, first? Man, I still want to say baseball, but with all the talk, I something tells me it's not happening. So I'm going to say NHL. You know, I think basketball returns end of July. I think hockey mid-July. Uh, obviously, they already had the plan and set of what they're going to do. And then baseball, man, again, it just keeps delaying and delaying, and I don't think we're going to see that sport first. I would probably agree with you, too. All right, that's going to do it for this week's edition of the 100% Sports Podcast. Make sure to follow us on Instagram and Facebook at 100 Sports Podcast, and also follow us on Twitter at 100 Sports Podcast. <laughs> we're very creative with our names. Nope, and that's it. Nathan, like to add anything before we go? 